Goodman Show, 6th Anniversary Special. Hi, super. Join Spud and his temporary co-host, Gerald. It's temporary permanent co-host. Yeah, whatever. Along with Spud's Aunt Dorothy and everyone's favorite, Chance the Intern. Spud's not here. As they welcome a galaxy of stars for this gala celebration. So, without further ado, here is your host, Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andor Ola. I am Spud Goodman. <laughs> the Spud Man. <laughs> Welcome to our six-year anniversary special. I'm projecting here that you might be saying right now, okay, okay I, I guess that's sort of cool, but what's different about this one compared to your third or fifth-year anniversary specials? Aren't all specials about the same? Well, what is the question? Well, yes, most are, but this particular one is... D- d- you know, I, okay, I, I cannot lie or... Or lie when it's so obvious I'm lying. This special's pretty much like most specials. It has a bunch of clips from the past years, some live music from past shows, and yeah, a bit of commentary too about the life and times of the Spud Goodman radio show. Is it enough to keep your interest and stop you from flipping the channel or letting your mouse allow you to stray to another more attractive or interesting program? I don't think so. I guess time will tell, huh? I won't know until I see the ratings for this thing, so let's just... Get it started by introducing our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Uh, why don't you give us a decent chuckle? Okay. Um, <laughs> how was that? I think it was adequate. But, you know, more, you know, than satisfactory for a regular show, but for a sixth-year special, uh, I was kind of hoping for a bit more. Oh, but sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, and <laughs> now let me acknowledge our show's temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Go ahead and simply acknowledge my acknowledgement. Uh, like a courteous and respectful present uh, will suffice. Yes! Spud, any word or even guttural sound will verify that I'm here, but just saying present, it's just not a satisfactory manner either. You know, to greet our listeners on this gala special, as I I am really... Don't go promising something we can't deliver. Uh, Tossing out words like gala special... And it's Gala, baby. I don't have to Google that. Um, it just sets the bar too damn high, dude. Shut up and dribble. I have to agree. I think it's Gala. Right, yeah, but right now, I, I have to complain that I have a headache, and I'm not up to exerting myself. Oh, oh I should never have had those extra shots of Uzo at a friend's bunko gathering last night. Huh. I let peer pressure lead me to make poor decisions. Well, as a mother, I would think that you would not want to be drunk at the putt-putt. Aunt Dorothy, uh, can I ask if your fiancé, Chance, uh, here, the, yeah, right, the, I'm ta- yeah, you know who I'm talking about, our show's intern has been cheating on you, or, or maybe, you know, he's taking your debit card without permission. There has to be a reason for your self-destructive behavior. No, my relationship with Chance is solid. We just got matching tattoos last week. Really? The reason I overindulged, dear, was I got bored playing Bunko. It's a stupid game, and I thought those extra shots would make things more fun. Bad decision. I would like to say Dorothy is a grown woman and is a responsible drinker who maybe made a questionable decision to overindulge, but she did text me to come and drive her home. 
And that was so sweet of you, honey. Uh, Chance, you know, that one is not one of your required duties as an intern on the show. Yeah, you know, Mrs. Jarvitz, I could have told you that consuming alcoholic beverages can lead to nothing but trouble and pain. Oh, brother. Uh, Listen, next time when temptation presents itself, call me and I'll, I'll talk you down. I drank beer with my friends. I liked beer. I still like beer. Uh, can we get this thing back on track as we need to play a few clips from past guests now? Uh, I'm pretty sure they'll be more entertaining than you doing your teetotaling spiel again. Well, I don't know about that. Alcohol is fire water from the devil, but whatever. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, move, move yeah. on if you wish. Yeah. All right, let's lead off with hearing from a really fine actor, Ethan Hawke. Uh, then how about like former Fox News personality Gretchen Carlson and finish the first segment with former SNL regular Kevin Nealon. So let, let's, yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's roll it. Well, you can't go wrong with Gretchen Carlson. I, you know, I really used to enjoy her on Fox and Friends. I wonder what happened to her. What are you people? On dope? Do you even pay attention at all to, to what guests say in our interviews? Gretchen yeah. Carlson has been on our show twice and discussed her sexual harassment lawsuit against her former boss, the late Roger Ailes at Fox News. You, you don't remember that? She, she uh, I mean, he, he was a total lech. This woman basically ignited the whole Me Too movement. Gerald. Even I heard her discuss this when she was on the show, and I do occasionally read a newspaper, too. Huh. You might want to try that sometime. I don't know. Ooh, our intern just torched you. But j- just roll the damn clip. Oh, okay, well done, honey. Thanks, Dorothy. Actor, director, author, Ethan Hawke. A lot of stuff going on, so... Uh, but you recorded a very effective and entertaining public service ad telling people in theaters to keep their damn phones turned off. And so I was wondering if you could maybe do a sequel for the sake of those of us at home watching TV, you know, and movies, and maybe tell our family and friends that phones are not okay either. You know? You know what I'm talking about. It's a buzzkill when somebody's phone goes off and you're watching something that's good. Uh, dude, this is such a drag. You know, it happens to me all the time with... Because I got a 16-year-old and a 20-year-old, right? Yeah. And whenever we watch a movie together, the whole, even at, you know, at home, the experience is a nightmare because everybody's phone is going, and then they open it, and you, want, you can't help but stop watching the movie and wonder what they're reading. Not like they're ever, not like they ever get a text that's life-changing, but for some reason you can't help but wonder, who's texting them? Yeah, and, then, and have you ever noticed that they're, they're watching freaking YouTube clips while you're watching them? a great movie? That, that's really got on my nerves with kids. Yeah. Well, and that's, the truth is that's actually something real, that our attention spans are being decimated. You know, it's, it's like we're having a collective ADD problem, and we all suffer from it. You know, I can be critical of my children, but the truth is they can just stand me up in front of the mirror, and I, I have the same problem, you know, with, it gets so confusing when you're doing work and when you're not doing work because, you know, we all have work right in our pocket all the time. Right. I'm kind of jealous of, I remember my dad, when he got home from work, work was over. You know? uh, when he wasn't at work, he, he couldn't do work. Right. But now with the emails and everything, we're all kind of half at home and half working all the time. It's a, obviously, it has amazing benefits, you know, but we're wrangling with the downsides of it. Yeah, I know. I'm still struggling with it. All right. Former All Fox right. News personality and author Gretchen Carlson. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, so two and a half years ago, I filed 
my sexual harassment lawsuit against Roger Ailes, who was the chairman and CEO at Fox News, and had no idea what would happen after that, to be quite honest with you. I took a tremendous amount of courage. Yeah. And uh, really, you know, the floodgates, um, they opened. And I, I think one of the main things was that women and men across the country saw that there were consequences in my story, and they were swift. And so they figured, wow, well, maybe, I, maybe I'll come forward, you know. And, and before you know it, we were, we were talking about a Me Too movement and the Harvey Weinstein allegations, and more and more women uh, felt like they could, could summon up the bravery to do the same thing. Right. right. You know, uh, it, w- when you were on Fox, my, uh, you hosted uh, Fox and Friends. That's the favorite show of my my co-host. But yeah, I, I watch Fox News now that you know that you're gone. Uh, I, I watch maybe Shep Smith and the Outnumbered Show. But why do they have so many commercials for catheters and reverse mortgages? Because I f- I feel so old when I tune in. I have, I am old, but I have to flip to Nickelodeon just to get my psyche back. But anyway, that's another topic. Um, so. As you said in the documentary. Oh, thanks for the laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Comedian and former SNL cast member Kevin Nealon. But when I came on Saturday Night Live, everybody was kind of uh, pretty responsible. You know, a few people had families. Um, Phil Hartman was married. Mm-hmm. Um, Dennis Miller, I think, uh, was about to get married. And um, nobody was like a drug user. Um, and nobody had like, you know, big alcohol problems. Huh. All right. Um, yeah, right. Right. But, you know, when Chris Farley came on, he was kind of talking, you know, he was starting to head that direction. And uh, and he, he loved Jim, um, John Belushi so much. He just wanted to emulate him, which mm-hmm. he pretty much did right to the year he died, you know. And uh, I told him once, I said, you know, you know, you don't have to be doing a lot of drugs and, and right. getting wasted. You know, like John Belushi. He goes, yeah, but he, he did a lot of drugs. He was funny. I said, yeah, but you could probably be a lot funnier if you weren't doing drugs, you know? You think clearer. Really? <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, that's a really tragic story, actually. A very tragic. Yeah, he was he was a real good talent and a nice guy. Yes. Uh, just kind of things got away from him, you know? This is the Spud Goodman Show 6th Anniversary Special. All right, let's cue up some music. How about we start with an appearance uh, from East Nashville recording artist, Todd Snyder. He came on my old TV show and performed uh, his classic Talkin' Seattle grunge rock blues live. Uh, I think he found our music scene, you know, in this area back then a bit annoying. I didn't take it personal, but I kind of think he was making fun of all of us. But anyway, just roll it. Rock and roll never die Just hang your hair down in your eyes And you'll make a million dollars I was in this band going nowhere fast We sent out our demos but everybody passed So one day we finally took the plunge Went out to Seattle and started playing grunge Washington State, that is Space Needle Eddie Vedder So to fit in fast, we got flannel shirts Now we turn our amps up until it hurts We got weird attitudes and what's more When we play, we stare straight down at the floor Mmm Pretty scary Now we're fitting on the Seattle scene You gotta show them something they've never seen So thinking up a gimmick one day We decided to be the only band that wouldn't play enough 
under any circumstances call it silence music's original alternative roots crunch So we spread the word through the underground that we were the hottest new young band in town. This record guy come out to see us one day and just like always, we refused to play man and knocked him out. He said he loved our work. He said he loved our work, but he wasn't sure if he could sell a record with no songs on it. I said, uh, dude, we're from Seattle. Hey, hey, my, my, rock and roll will never die You just hang your hair down and your eyes And you'll make a million dollars Well, they made us do a video, but that wasn't tough Cause we just filmed ourselves smashing stuff It was kind of weird cause there was no music But MTV said they would love to use it The kids went wild, kids went nuts Rolling Stone gave us five stars They would play with guts We were meeting chicks, taking drugs They asked us to do MTV Unplugged You should have seen it We went right out there and refused to do acoustical versions of the electrical songs that we refused to record in the first place, and then we smashed all of our sh And then just when it looked like fame would last forever, along come a band that wasn't even together, called, called Guns N' Roses. Hey, hey, my, my, rock and roll will never die You just hang your hair down in your eyes And you'll make a million dollars Well, our band got dropped And that's not funny, cause now we're hooked on crack But we're out of money So the other day, I called up the band I said, guys, I've taken all I can I say we shave off these goatees Pack up the van Move back to Memphis Spud I am supposed to announce our next batch of clips from past guests. Okay, fine. Now, Do it then. I think the morning Joe host on that MSNBC channel, Joe Scarborough, is in this one. I've never seen the show as Fox and Friends is on at the same time. Yeah, Fox and Friends starts right now. But I will accept that he is famous enough to be on this anniversary special, I guess. If you ever left that Fox News bubble, you, you might wet yourself. Missing our pants yet? So, so maybe it's best that you never change the channel. Well, I watch Morning Joe most of the time. Oh, unless Chance is staying over at my place. Then, of course, we watch the Cartoon Network. I thought you enjoyed cartoons too, Dorothy. Oh, I do, sweetie. It's just that sometimes I also enjoy watching real, live humans talk and knowing what's actually going on in the world, too. Look, alternative facts are not facts. Uh, uh, toss out the others in this segment, or do I have to do that also? No, no. We'll also be hearing from Ron Perlman and J.B. Smoove. Well, someone on the board, hit it, please. Actor Ron Perlman. Um, well, Ron, from following your Twitter feed at Permutations, you're very engaged with what's going on in our country right now. You're kind of fearless with those 280 characters. Have your fingers got you into a few online battles? More than a few, my friend. More than a few. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, okay, all right. Um, well, didn't you at one time declare you would run for the presidency in 2020? You never really had your own reality show, so aren't you, like, actually overqualified? totally overqualified, which is why I dropped out. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I can you know, see I'd make, that. I'd make, I'd make way too good a president. You know, I'm sorry. We just, we don't want to raise the bar that high because uh, then the guy who has to follow me is totally screwed. Well, um, I know you can read and speak in complete sentences as an actor, so those skills as POTUS are, are not exactly trending these days. So, yeah, I definitely think you're overqualified. There's no doubt about that. But anyway, all yeah. right. Well, depending, depending on who you compare me to. True. That, that's that's valid point, yeah. Uh, Spud? Yeah? Well, I, I'm not real familiar with Ron and his background, but I would disagree with your statement an actor would be overqualified compared to a re reality TV show host. I don't know if you watch reality shows on TV, but most of the people involved on them are really sharp cookies. They aren't playing a character, which is easy. They're playing themselves, and that is way more difficult. Oh, uh, Ron, just a sec. Um, you know, the bar is set so low right now with our current reality show host in the White House. I'm betting a fourth grader could oh. go ahead to head with them like in a spelling bee. And, oh, and, and, oh, and come I, on, the man, the man can't spell. Let's all agree with that. Oh, no, I hope they wouldn't ask Trump to spell origin. Yeah. He would be out on the very first word. You know what? Spelling and talking in complete sentences are not necessary skills to serve as president. He just needs to be a strong leader who other countries are afraid of. With President Trump, I would say mission accomplished. Uh, almost everyone on Earth is afraid of what wacky thing he might try. So yeah, the well, whole world is scared uh, You know, if that makes you feel good, whatever. Just, just let me get back to Ron. All right, I'm back. Actor, comedian, J.B. Smooth. Hey, but before we get too far into this conversation, with this being a radio show, can I ask what you're wearing right now? Me, I'm wearing like a, a T-shirt and Pittsburgh Pirates hat on it, and pants, too. Man, I'm wearing a straight robe right now. I'm, I'm robing it up. Ooh. My robe, this robe that I got is very unique. This robe, can, if I, I can wear this outside, you know, if I wanted to. It's, it's one of those robes. Like Super. That it has like a pocket square on it. You know, it's made out of like a felty kind of corduroy style. Yeah. It's, 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 it locks in. Matter of fact, it's the inside of it is made out of Ziploc material. So it locks in the warmth and the, and the feel. You know what I'm saying? And it has a pocket. The pocket. It has an inside pocket where it, the lining is made out of fire-resistant uh, 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 material. So I could put a lit cigar in it. You know what I mean? Wow. It's cool. Damn. Yeah, it's just really cool. It's all, it's all, it's like, check that one. But, but I can't find the damn belt. I lost the damn belt in this damn robe. But it's all good. It's all good. I'll find the belt. So you're just know? hanging loose out, out publicly. All right. Well, anyway. I got to hold it my hand. Yeah, all right. All right. I'll find the belt. MSNBC host and former congressman. Joe Scarborough. Very excited about it. Yeah, well, you know, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm a regular viewer of, of Morning Joe, though. It's on so freaking early out here on the West Coast. I mostly catch it in short segments as I, you know, I leave the TV on during the night. And when I'm making visits number eight or nine to urinate, I stop and watch until I fall back asleep. Until the next time I have to get up. But anyway, even in, it, in interrupted segments, it's a really informative program. Good show. What? Well, I'm, I'm glad that we are. Uh, I'm glad that we we aid you uh, yeah. when you have to go to the bathroom eight or nine times a night. Yeah, it happens. It's, it's you're a great you're great company. I guess I'm saying, but anyway, all right. Well, um, <laughs> so so when you officially left the Republic, you're listening to the Spud Goodman Show sixth anniversary special. 
All right, back to some more music. This one is from the highly talented Robin Hitchcock. As we met up backstage one night and he did this live for our old TV show, it's titled The Devil's Radio. Here's a bit of it. You don't have to call me Stalin Or even Mount Satan Cause I'm far too young My rising sign is Capricorn Is that surprising? You know that I was born so very soft And easy going I make no trouble at all We was listening to the devil's radio I was listening Oh, I was listening To the devil's radio And it went na-na-na-na-na-na And the devil's radio Tentacles are bland, it's like a weevil It burrows through the land and everybody smiles Everybody smiles Michael, don't you know someday a spike Grow right through the woodwork And come out through your palm He was listening Listening to the devil's radio. We was listening, ah, we was listening to the devil's radio. And it went na 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 na. And the devil's radio. Sets on the devil. Sunsets on the west. He's listening to the FM talk show. It's what he loves the best. of SeaTac Limbo He was talking through a bimbo But don't touch that dial or that hateful smile Kate said The flowers of intolerance and hatred are blooming kind of early this year Someone's been watering them was listening, ah, we was listening to the devil's radio. We was listening, yeah, we was listening to the devil's radio. 
anywhere and neither should you the spot goodman radio show returns in just a moment We now return to the Spud Goodman Show 6th Anniversary Special. Spud, they're saying the show's orchestra accordion Joe is holding on the line and he wants to mm. speak with you. Well, I, I told him he could call in if he promised he wouldn't drive over here from Spokane where, where he's living now while we're doing this show. Uh, put him through, it'll only take a second. Joe, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay. So, you haven't gotten back to me about asking the stations this show's aired on if I could do a spinoff. Yeah. You know, well, another show, yeah. one that might be a hell of a lot more entertaining than yours, bud. What's your name, scumbag? Uh, Joe, if there's to be a spinoff... I believe I would be the logical host for such a project. I mean, you are the show's orchestra, and I might add, these days, only on tape or whatever they use to play your opening each episode. You may have had a significant role on Spud's TV show, but nowadays, on this radio show, you're nothing but a sound effect, my friend. Come on, yo. Um, Spud, who is that little weasel babbling right there? Is that the new intern? Uh, no, L um... Listen, Spud, I will not stand for some young whippersnapper telling me what the hell role I have on this show. Hey, 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 this is Dorothy speaking, and please don't draw my sweetie chance into your dispute. Yeah, uh, Joe, I don't have any juice with the stations that, that carry this show. I mean, I doubt that some of them even know I'm on their station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to do is draw attention to my weak ratings, and and I don't think spinoffs are done if the original show is not killing it. You get me? So just check back in like another year or so. <laughs> another year or so? Well, are you out of your gourd? Spud, listen, you know damn good and well that I am no spring chicken, okay? I might not even be around from a year from now. Okay? Yeah, that's possible. That's just the risk we're going to have to take. Well, listen, I need to make my move right now. You get it? I mean, listen, could you send me the names and home phone numbers of some of the station managers where the shows uh, are? I don't think I mean, so, I'm no. sure they wouldn't mind if I would call them up and pitch the Accordion Joe show. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Um, you know, Joe, I don't think anyone has a home phone number these days. Do, do you still have a landline? Hell yes, I got one. I mean, what do you think? You, th you think these big radio wigs, you know, they don't have phones? <laughs> really? Not home I mean, phones. Oh, come on. You know, come on, come on, come on. I mean, I could get, you know, I guess I could write them instead. Um, uh, hey, I, Fred, I, can you give me their addresses? 
I love the poorly educated. Um, yeah, sure. Tell you what, I'll put you on hold and Chance, our intern, will get mm-hmm. you those addresses like pretty quick. He'll, he's he's going to get right on it, okay? Mm-hmm. Later. Yeah. I got to go. Got to go. Just hold, just hold. Okay, what do you want me to do with him? Just, just let him stay on hold for a while. He'll, he'll figure it out in a few hours. Seek immediate medical help for an erection lasting more than four hours. Uh, now let's just get back to some more clips from guests. Uh, very well. Uh, you know, our next guest is, uh, well, I believe his name is Cheech. Is that correct? Yes, Cheech Marin. Cheech. Cheech and Chong. You've not heard of Cheech and Chong? Uh, you know, I, I interviewed him before you came on staff here, but uh, t- tell me you're joking. You know, I may have, and I just don't recall. Hey, bud, what's your problem? Would my kids know him or that that Chong gentleman you're talking about? Uh, I know I sure did when I was a kid, but I have no clue about your kids. Cheech and Chong remain one of the top comedy teams in history. Sold a couple billion records, made huge hit movies, and it's still tour today. I know who Cheech and Chong are. And I have all their records and eight-track tapes and, oh, up in smoke... That's still one of my favorite comedies. So funny. Be funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. And we have some of my conversation with film director and all-around cool guy John Waters too. Someone cue it up. So okay, I, listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna check out that Chong and Cheech on AOL when I get home. Comedian actor Cheech Marin. <laughs> More like what it is. What it is. All right, there you go. Um. So the country finally, in my opinion, is obvious, uh, seems to be coming around to the basic premise uh, uh, Cheech and Chung have promoted from the beginning, i.e. marijuana use should not be a criminal yeah. offense. Well, there are like five states That's in the right. District of Columbia now on board. Do you, do you think the red states down south will ever acknowledge a common sense approach to this topic? You, uh, eventually, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like an avalanche, you know, where it's like we have, what, what, three more, four more states uh, mm-hmm. approved it this last election. And uh, it's just going to be, it's going to reach a critical mass. It's like 30 something states have medical marijuana, and then uh, like right. now five or six have for, for recreational use. And this is going to, you know, it's going to, you know, there's going to be a tipping point, and it'll happen fast. Maybe in the next, in the 16 election, uh, I think it'll, it'll, it'll happen. Comedian actor Tommy Chong. Yeah. And, and Seattle is leading the way, or Washington is. Well, yeah, with Washington and Colorado uh, leading the way, do, do you and Cheech feel vindicated for being so far ahead of the curve as far as advocating a more sensible position on the topic of decriminalization? I got, I mean, you got to feel good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Are you kidding? Uh, you know, we, we go, we're we going around telling everybody, nah, 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 we told you so. <laughs> we were right and you were wrong. God, that's no, we good. were, we were, I went to jail because of it. Yes, you, you know, did. Yes, I, you did. Um, and uh, I, so I feel really vindicated. And uh, eventually I will be able to get rid of my uh, felony conviction. Film director, John Waters. Guilty as everybody else. All right, super. Well, you know, John, on a personal note, on note, uh, our staff here is kicking around the possibility of going on a cruise together, you know, like on the ocean. I'm not keen on it, but have you ever been on a cruise? No, because I got seasick once in my life, and it was the most horrible feeling I ever felt in my life. And I live in Provincetown in the summer, and I, I have to pick up people when the ferry comes from Boston. Yeah. And I have seen the entire boatload of people vomiting as they pull in. So, no, I have not been on a cruise. And then you're trapped. You can't escape. I know. So I, I like the idea of it, 
but the reality of it is no escape. And, and then pirates, too. You have to worry about pirates. them these days. I never thought about pirates. Spud. What? Please do not use pirates as an excuse not to give this cruise idea serious thought. You know, the chances of a cruise ship being hijacked by pirates is like a one in a million situation. Uh, John, just one moment. All right. But if I'm on that one in a million cruise ship, I would be really pissed off. Not only would I have to deal with being in a saltwater prison with no escape, as John just said, I could be held for ransom. And you know nobody would pay a cent to have me freed. What? Nonsense. If I were able to escape, I would be more than willing to initiate a Kickstarter campaign to raise sufficient funds for your release. Now, I say that with the disclaimer that any pirates holding you would not demand an exorbitant amount of money. What, what, what do you think would be the max you could raise? I need to know that before I ever set foot on any boat. Well, certainly we could raise at least... I don't know, three to four thousand dollars if we if we were really aggressive in our appeal for funds. Well, no self-respecting pirate would release anything, even a sea bass caught fishing for that kind of money. I don't Seriously, know. I would die alone on some island. I am now very distressed, but let me get back to John. All right, well, getting back to your book, one of This is the Spud Goodman Show sixth anniversary special. And now, how about some more tunes? Let's uh, check out a bit of a Metallica medley by Metalachi, the world's only heavy metal mariachi band who performed for us before one of their concerts in Seattle. If you ever have a chance to catch this band live, you need to go as they really, really put on a show. Hit it. Steve is on the phone holding and he says what I guess is his ventriloquist dummy Jerry is waiting to speak with you. Alright. Well. He said they both wanted to congratulate you about being on the air for six years. I know we got that memo directed to us to keep your uncle off the show. I know, I know. So what am I supposed to do? Yeah, well, you need to follow proper procedures, Chance. Tell Spud's uncle he's no longer allowed on this show. He's he's just not stable mentally. Well, I don't know about but, that. Well, no, um, a grown man carrying around a dummy is not normal. Here's the problem. You don't know the history of psychiatry. I do. Jerry is not a dummy, Gerald. Well... He's a comfort companion for Steve, and I think it's really rude to question his mental health. I'm a very stable genius. Are you a licensed mental health professional? Well, no, look, but I mean... Look, 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 I never read that memo, okay? I, I will decide who's unfit to come on this show. Courtney, Chloe... 
I mean, if we really want to go down that road, there are others in this studio who just might be, you know, I don't know, who, who's going to determine that they're sane or not sane? I, I mean, you really want to, you really want to bring that up? So, so just put him through, Chance. I'll make this brief. Uncle Steve, you're on the air. Uh, you know, while, I, while we were on hold, we heard everything you guys are saying, right? Jerry right uh-huh. now is pretty miffed. I don't think he even wants to join this. Uh, we were calling to, to say happy 6th anniversary and... What's that, Jerry? No, you can't say any of those words on the air. There are FCC regulations. That's ridiculous. Look, I appreciate you two taking the time to wish us well. It's, it's, it's very nice. But and, and before I let you go, though, I did... You know, quickly, I, I heard you were having a barbecue next weekend, so uh, I can see you then. We can, you know, talk about stuff, okay? Yeah, well... Jerry and I haven't decided on the final guest list for our barbecue. When we do, Jerry will text you. You know what I mean! Yeah, okay, well, tell Jerry I will be bringing my famous baked beans if I'm invited, okay? All right, I gotta go, gotta go. Well, that would be a mitigating factor. Uh, what's that, Jerry? Jerry feels you should make a double batch and leave whatever is left over. Oh, yeah, I can do that. Hey, uh, tell Jerry I'll be bringing my wonderful macaroni salad, and I know he's quite fond of it. Yes! You know, next weekend, I'll be free. Uh, My wife, Rachel, and the kids are going to be out of town visiting with her great-grandmother, but I I could bring something, too. Maybe a a nice kettle of stew. I don't think Jerry would be okay with that guy coming. Uh, No offense, but he's a temporary co-host, right? Well, temporary permanent co-host. Uh, and tell Jerry, uh, don't worry, he won't be coming to the barbecue. Uh, Uncle well, Steve, I gotta go, but but thanks for calling in. Sometime maybe I, I can swing it so you and Jerry can come back to the studio and say a few words on the show. I mean, maybe it's a possibility. You Would know, that Jerry, fix Jerry feels strongly that if he ever appears on your show again, he should be paid at least $15 an hour, huh? and even that is barely a living wage these days. Good call, yo. Uh, you know, we don't pay our guests, Uncle Steve. We don't have a budget for that, but I really do have to go, but I'll talk to you soon, hopefully at the barbecue. Uh, cut the call, please. I believe now we're going to play some more clips from past celebrity guests. Uh, this group all have something in common, stand-up comedy. It's been a big part of their careers. Uh, we'll lead off with Kathy Griffin, and then how about Mark Marin? and let's finish with Richard Lewis. Roll it. Comedian Kathy Griffin. Bud, I missed you! Well, you know, let's take a look back in comedy history. There have been a few comedians who've run into a little bit of you know trouble career-wise due to controversies like Lenny Bruce, maybe Bill Hicks, George yeah. Carlin, some others, but no one is, has ever been like interrogated by the Secret Service. Maybe maybe the FBI, but do you think you'll be placed in a separate room in the Comedy Hall of Fame someday? Like you have too much gravitas? I, well, let me tell you, honey, I was certainly placed in a separate room for my interrogation under oath, and you're right. No comedian in history had, and I mean, I called Jane Fonda about this. I called many, many esteemed First Amendment attorneys because I said, if I'm going to say that what I'm about to make a film about is a historic story, I want to be right. And even Fonda said, no, I didn't have, you know, during Nixon, he didn't talk about his list. I mean, Trump just comes out and tweets who he's trying to ruin. And uh, he certainly tried with me. And, you know, um, I think that they kind of saw me as an easy, no pun intended, target. You know, I don't have any big studio or big producer or big movie franchise behind me like Johnny Depp did and stuff. And so, you know, I think it was a talking point. Now we're used to, like, when Trump feels like he's in trouble, and Bob Mueller had just been assigned days before the photo, 
they're kind of always looking for like a distraction. So this is kind of the story of what happened. Comedian, actor, podcast host, Mark Marin. I guess I was transferring my own personal perspective. Um, well, you're a well-known cat lover, so my question is this. Could you coexist well with a dog lover like myself, like if we were neighbors? And could we find common ground, or would it be like a, a Shia Sunni deal? Uh, it certainly wouldn't be that bad. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to... I'm not going to come over and behead you because of your dog. Good or to know. Your dog. All right. Um, the, uh, the, 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 uh, no, I, you know, I grew up with dogs. I was, you know, I was surrounded by dogs most of my life. My neighbor has dogs, uh, the one on, on the, uh, the one side of me and the other guy's had a cat. I, I got no beef with dogs. I mean, even on the podcast, sometimes you can hear his dog. He makes an appearance sometimes. Right. Well, I feel I could overcome my entrenched belief system and learn to love cats, you know, under the right circumstances, like if you threw some decent barbecues or something. So, I mean, I'm open to it, so I just want to throw that out. But, all right. Um, so, well, yeah, I mean, well, you know, I mean, cats are not going to, they're not that demanding. So Good you point. Know, you know, they, they don't have the same expectations. Good I think point. that's one reason people have a hard time with cats is they don't really care uh, whether you care about them or not. Um, yeah, not like a relationship. Comedian actor Richard Lewis. Yeah, you got me on that one. I was going to throw that out, but did you really meet Larry David sure. at summer camp when you were 13? I mean, worse, worse than that. We were in the same hospital room. Did you, get, did you get tossed in the hole or something? Because you do what I terrorize the counselors. You tried to strangle me with my mother's, with the umbilical cord, this jerk, okay? Whoa. I was, I was born early. It was a preemie. Yes. She was born three days later, so we were in the same hospital ward, and this little baby was screaming and complaining that his mother's milk wasn't good. I, you know, it was just, he was obnoxious when he was a year old. When am I saying a year? An hour. And then we went to a camp and we were enemies. Never saw him again for 15 years. Really? And we became best friends. And then one day, I, you know, I'm, I'm a recovered addict for almost 20 years. He's not a drinker or he, he wasn't a big drug guy ever. And, uh, but uh, I, I recognized him after we became best friends uh, at around 24, performing in Manhattan. And, uh, and then we retraced our childhood and we realized that we had, we were enemies when we were 12 at a camp, at a, at a sports camp. And that was, we almost came to blows at the bar, but I mean, the truth is, what, what's the chance that you become a best friend with somebody? Literally, we were inseparable I and mean, we were great buds. And then we realized that we hated each other at some sports camp when we were 12. It was too good to be true. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Looks just like the real thing. Spud. Yes? Well, this next segment will be emotional for you. Your late mother, Safola, was a big part of the show, and I know she was really well-liked by the listeners of the Spud Goodman yeah, Show. Yeah, I mean, losing your mother is something most everyone experiences sooner or later, and it's one of the real lowlights, you know, in life. As, as much as I complained about her, always trying to find a way to get airtime on both my old TV show and this radio program, I really miss the battle, you know? I mean, the, the, the show will never be the same without her. That's, like, that's a given. Oh, Spud, she was a larger-than-life figure in all aspects of her time with us. Yep. Truly, yep. truly one of a kind. You know, I think if we could have spent some quality time together, she might have felt differently about me. You know, grown to like me. I'm going to have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, you know, she was a pretty good judge of character. Well, they, they can play the thing now. 
bud. What? Uh, your mom's calling in again tonight. Should we take it now? Uh, yeah, because she's going to keep calling and tie up the one phone yeah. line that we have. Put her on. Spud, you didn't tell me you were doing your two-year anniversary special tonight. I know, I know, Mom. I should be there in the studio with the baby I almost died giving birth to, supporting you on this milestone. No, there's no need. There's no need, Mom. You know, I did a hell of a lot of years on cable TV. This is just a a little two-year thing on the radio now. It's no big deal. Nonsense. Not every Tom, Dick, and Harry have lasted two years on the radio. I sort of worked up a song to commemorate this uh, gala occasion. Well, it yeah. goes like this. It's a lovely oh day today. <laughs> so whatever you gotta do, I'd be so happy to be doing it with you. But if you've got something that must be done, oh and it can only be done by one, there's nothing uh, more s- 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 They're to saying we need say to cut her off. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know. She's going to really piss her off. Though. But you know, I'm sure she has like five or six more songs to run through, so yeah. maybe she won't even notice it. There is sunshine I guess i got to do it, don't I? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Greeting people. Give her the hook. Okay. Feeling of spring in the This is the Spud Goodman Show sixth anniversary special. All right, we need to run this last group of interviews we selected for this special. First up is a really cool dude who's been on the show a few times, Lenny James from The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead shows. And then we have uh, Dr. Ruth Westheimer, who set me straight on that Size Matters deal. Truth isn't truth. And then uh, CNN news anchor Anderson Cooper is up, and and we'll close with the great actor Bruce Dern. Uh, Let's do it. Actor Lenny James. Of course. Um, well, let's take a deep dive in, into the walkers for a moment. You know, they never get interviewed. If you ever had to play one, what would be your motivation? It's tough to convey emotion when you really can't say a word. Ugh and ah, it just doesn't express much. Ugh and ah. Um, I, uh, you know, I suppose, I mean, I'd be lying if I, you know, said to you I'd never thought about it because we all think about it because ultimately that probably how we're all going to end up at some point um so um i I guess i just like stephen ogg when um he was uh he had his out and he was chained to the fence um uh, with the survivors encampment um he he did a thing where because it was early days for him and he hadn't completely turned that um, or hadn't been too long into the turn where there was still a sense of who he was before and I thought that was a lovely decision that he kind of made um, I think the way that Sasha went out the way that um, uh, when she came out of the coffin and, and went for right. Negan I, I think that was a beautiful um, way out I'd like my transition to um, uh, I suppose be a bit like a bit like that like Sinequa's really which is that it had at least an attempt to save others or rescue others or had something selfless about it I guess I think that would be in fitting with Morgan well let's hope your transition doesn't happen for a very long time really long time you and me you and me both (laughs) yeah Uh, Spud 
What? Well, I have to interject here. The word transition is something that I personally find disturbing. Yet people don't transition. They go to heaven or uh, hell in your case. I've never read a single Bible verse about transitioning into zombies. I don't believe this actually happens. Oh, Lenny, I need a brief moment. I think you're getting caught up in semantics. Just think of those well, walkers as, as people who, you know, didn't make the cut. You know, you know, didn't pass muster to get into heaven, or so they're stuck on earth as zombies after the apocalypse. That would be hell on earth, as there, you know, would be no cable TV, no fast food, there's no video games, because where do you get, there's no electricity, or, I don't know, maybe they have solar panels, but, but being a zombie would be just as much of a bummer as burning in hell. Well, I really don't know for sure what happens to us when we die, but I'm planning on having my ashes spread out in front of whatever is the closest Bed Bath & Beyond, as that is my favorite store. Huh. And, of course, it's my happy place. I spend a great deal of time there. So many neat products. That, I, I, I don't, I don't even know how to respond to that. Good, because I have to get back to Lenny. Okay, where were we? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sex therapist, Dr. Ruth Westheimer. Super. Okay, I was right on that one. Um, well, speaking of myths also, we, we were discussing uh, on the show tonight uh, Bigfoot. And on a related note, yeah. I wanted to ask you about that old big feet, uh, you know, big penis thing. Is there scientific proof of this? Because I wear like a size 6. Absolutely and not. It's not? Absolutely oh, good. Thank not. you. Thank you. But, but, you know, in the play about me... Uh, becoming right. Dr. Ruth, right. that Deborah Jo Rapp started right. in the Berkshires and then in, in near Broadway, off Broadway. So what is true is that I want a, a man who is worried about the size. Because the size has nothing to do with the sexual satisfaction of the woman. I want him to stand in front of a mirror, bring himself to a good erection and admire that erection. He will never worry about the size again. And we have to bury all of those stupid myths about the size of the hands and the size of the feet. Not so. Well, I'm writing this okay. down. I'm, yeah. As fast as I can, I'm writing this down. So, you know, because I <laughs> see women look, you know, when I go out to bars, they look down at my feet and they kind of like run away. So, I mean, I'm not micro mini, but it just is that. Thank you so much for that. Nonsense. Thank That's you. Nonsense. And people should enjoy each other. They should have a good relationship. And with a good relationship and with an interesting life comes very, very good um, sexual encounters. All right. Super. <laughs> well, Dr. Ruth, on another note, some may not... CNN News anchor Anderson Cooper. Wow. I mean, your mom, Gloria Vanderbilt, was such an icon. How weird was it as a teenager on sleepovers? I mean, she was a fashion goddess, not exactly like most moms who I remember walked around in curlers in the morning. <laughs> yeah, you know, she... Uh, she She's pretty down to earth when you actually know her, so uh, that's sort of one, the other thing I wanted people to kind of see in the book is just, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say she's normal, but because I'm not sure any parent really is normal, but or even what normal means, but um, but she's, you know, she's certainly lived an incredible life, and and you know, she was born into this really wealthy family. She was taken away from her mother by the New York courts at the height of the depression uh, oh. in a custody trial that at the time was known as the trial of the century. Um, her aunt took her away from her mother um, and the courts awarded her to her aunt. And I mean, just one thing after another uh, throughout her life. And she had incredible relationships with, you know, Howard Hughes and Errol Flynn and Frank Sinatra and all these famous people. And so, 
she's lived this this remarkable life and and uh, and is the most kind of optimistic person I know at age 93 now. Wow, that's incredible. Well, you know, I got to say this. Actor Bruce Dern. Well, um, let me say this. You know, Bruce, um, in terms of the body of work in your career, I think you've been in more cool movies than any other actor in Hollywood history. I mean, it, I mean, take an hour to go through them all. It, it could be a tie between you and Jack Nicholson, as you both have great taste in the roles you've taken on. Do you have a sixth sense, or has, has luck played a small part in it, too? No, I, you know, when I started out, uh, I was under contract to Mr. Kazan. And he had five of us. He had uh, Rip Torn, Pat Hingle, Geraldine Cage, Lee Remick, and Bruce Dern. And I was the baby of the group, meaning the youngest. Wow. And uh, that, when we first came to Hollywood, we were very lucky in the late 50s. When we first came into the business and came to Hollywood particularly, and I did not start in Hollywood, I started on Broadway. But uh, we had a great privilege because we still got to work with the legends. And that was probably, Jack will tell you, the same thing. We had a chance to work with legends. And everybody said, well, but you guys are legends now. No, I'm sorry, sir, but you can't be a legend today. There is too much information out there about everybody knows what you do after school. So there's, uh, there's nothing going on that's private. And, and the second thing is, because of a certain kind of acting style and the promotion within the business, they were bigger than life. Right. I mean, I, I did two movies with John Wayne when I had to kill him in, and uh, he was bigger than life. And you, you just can't get to that status now. And I think that's why when we started out, we had to work harder at the craft of acting, so to speak, um, to act. Because every single one of those men or women, and for me, it was Betty Davis, it was John Wayne, it was Robert Mitchum. You know, it was Olivia de Havilland, it was so forth and so on, who were very encouraged. But every single one of them always said, push the envelope, go out on the edge and take risks. Because you guys and, and the girls in your age group, you're up to something that we've never gotten to. And uh... you're listening to the Spud Goodman Show, sixth anniversary special. two-year anniversary special. I guess Spud Goodman has a two-year anniversary show. All I can think of as saying is, so, nothing against him, but his show basically blows. Maybe a few highs, and then you are left with the many lows. Do I sound like a disgruntled and bitter foe? Well, after my poems have been bumped week after week on this sad excuse for a radio show, I now would prefer to see Spud Goodman be strung up by his toes. And if he died from this, well, that's the way it goes. So if anyone cares, Spud Goodman has a two-year anniversary show. The end. My, how time flies. Okay, that'll wrap up this 
sixth year anniversary special. You know, you know, I'm old enough now to understand that making it to a possible seventh year anniversary show is a hill too far to contemplate right now. Uh, but I do want to thank everyone working on this show now and over the years. Uh, you know, with both the TV and this radio program, we we, we may not have ever been a monster hit show. I mean, it, it, I guess it just looks like I'm never, ever going to get my own production deal with any big Hollywood studio or radio network or, or even Netflix. Uh, though they're, they're green light and deals with just about everyone else but me. But hey, okay, fine. That's the way it goes. Uh, but I will continue the good fight until I either drop dead here on the air or maybe I can, you know, possibly gather up the strength and motivation to learn how to do something else other than just babble, for, you know, for a living. Hell no, you can't! Oh, you, you mean get a real job? <laughs> well, it's not that yeah. funny. Yeah, well, as I have said on many occasions, I stand ready to step up and serve. If you do decide to walk away from this show, I am more than ready. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! If he ever takes over, I'll be ending my internship on the show. It's one thing to work for free, and another to work for a bigger a- than Spud. Well, Chance, if I'm ever so fortunate to assume the host duties of this show, I would allow you to reapply for your intern position. No promises, you understand. I expect there'll be many applicants interested in being part of my new, improved show. Hell will freeze over. And you would have to find a new designated laugher if you are ever made host. Well, I have had preliminary discussions with my wife, Rachel, to assume your duties, Mrs. Jarvitz, but I would give you ample time to find another position elsewhere before she would come on staff here. (laughs) Hey, hey, I'm not going anywhere, all right? And for the time being, just, just understand that, okay? You and your wife can put those plans on hold for now. You know, I still have a few more miles in me. I promise you. I can say for sure this will be my last intern position ever as I need to think about supporting my soon-to-be wife, Dorothy. Really? Like, I need to get paid. No need to stress the financial stuff, honey. With my social security and my pension, we'll be just fine. You know, I need to find a girlfriend who's on social security. Uh, That's a steady income stream. It's not personal, son. It's strictly business. Anyway, let me close this thing now. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. We'll leave you with a bit of a performance uh, by They Might Be Giants. Uh, They did this live for us before one of their concerts in Seattle years ago. It's titled, How Can I Sing Like a Girl? Hit it. Birds are calling to sing along But my window's painted shut And all that year of chorus taught me Is out of style and long forgot How can I sing like a girl And not be stigmatized By the rest of the world Tell me I sing like a girl and not be objectified as if I were a girl. I want to raise my freak flag higher and higher and 
I want to raise my freak flag and never be alone. Never be alone. Copyright 2019, Spud Goodman Productions.